we're bringing her in from the site to sit and have lunch with the CFO with us after she does a presentation at the job site walk. So I'm like, yes, that's our job sponsoring her. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. Doreen Bartoldis is the past national president of the National Association of Women in Construction and one of the 2023 Construction Power 100 for New York City. She is a certified construction manager recognized by the Construction Management Association of America with the Champion Coins of Excellence Award. Doreen is a trailblazer in the construction industry, someone that holds the door open for those coming up behind her, and she has used her influence to make the industry better for women. We talked about how to navigate an industry that wasn't made for women, the progress that has been made to advance women, and the work that still needs to be done, and the tools that are essential to advancing to a leadership position in this industry. I loved talking to Doreen in this interview, and I am so excited to share it with you today. Are you ready to be a part of something bigger, a movement that empowers change in the construction industry? In partnership with the National Center for Construction Education and Research, NCCER, Ambition Theory is on a mission to uncover what's really holding women back and what we can do to drive real change in the industry. We heard from hundreds of women in construction across sectors, roles, ages, and years of experience to capture an uncensored, honest look at what it's like to be a woman in construction today. Our 2023 report is a powerful call to action, shedding light on what women truly want from their jobs in construction career advancement, leadership opportunities, and supportive work environments. The statistics might not be something to celebrate just yet, but our report reveals simple, impactful steps that individuals and companies can take to create a more equitable workplace. Visit buildingbetterreport.com to get your copy of the 2023 Building Better Women in Construction Report today. Together, we're building better. Download the report now. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction, Doreen. I am so excited that we're doing this interview. So I was reflecting this morning before we got on Zoom to record this that I met you. So Jennifer DeWeese connected us a couple of years ago and immediately I heard your story and I was like, wow, I need to have this person on the podcast. And it never happened. And then it's finally happening today after we've known each other for, I guess, maybe a year and a half. So I know you a lot more. I know more of your stories. So I am really excited that we're making this happen. I am too, actually. Thank you. Doreen, can you introduce yourself and share what you do? Sure. Doreen Bartoldis. I'm a professional engineer. I'm a civil engineer by education. I also have my MBA, but I'm a certified construction manager, also a DBIA associate, some other credentials in there too. But I work for Jacobs right now. I'm a manager of projects which means I manage a portfolio of construction infrastructure, water, wastewater infrastructure projects. I have several or many active projects right now, and I also lead a staff of about 30 folks right now. So that's what I do for a living. I'm also involved with NAWIC. Obviously, I've been with NAWIC for about 18 years. I've been with Jacobs about four years, and I've held similar positions with other firms prior to Jacobs, but I've been with NAWIC about 18 years or so. And, you know, had chapter, was on the chapter boards, committees, regional committees, and then I was a regional director, and then I became a national treasurer and the national president. So as you know, and that's how we met. Yeah. So NAWIC is the National Association of Women in Construction. So you actually lead a lot of people in your day job, in mm-hmm. the work that you do with NAWIC. 
But I want to go back a little bit. And can you talk about what you love about construction? Well, people don't realize, but construction is a people business. And so I do love people. Certainly, they're at the... Some have their challenges, but I do love working with people and, and working with teams and having people become, you know, successful and running good teams. But the projects themselves are, I believe they're a creative process and I love that creative process. So construction, it's never the same day to day. There's always a new challenge or a new success or a new technology or something's always different in construction. So that's, that's really what I love about it. And I, it's clear to me that you love construction and you're an advocate for other people to work, get careers in construction, stay sure. in construction. And so I'm so curious, when you were growing up, were you like, when I grow up, I want to work in construction? Or how did you kind of get into the industry? Well, it wasn't obvious that I wanted to get into construction, but I love being around my dad and my uncles. I'm one of six kids. I am the one person who did go into construction, but my uncles and my father and my grandfather and my great grandfather we're all contractors. They built homes. And the two homes I lived in as a, you know, as I was growing up were both built by my uncles and my dad. So, you know, the first house we lived in was a really small cape. They built that. I remember them. I wasn't there for the whole thing because I came later. Then when we moved to another place on Long Island, we had built that house. It was a bigger house because our, our family had grown. But we, you know, we mixed the cement and laid the brick with our uncles and stuff. And we, we helped out a lot as we, as we could. So construction, just we were around it. And my dad also was going to school for, to become an engineer. He graduated in 1964 when I was about, give away my age, when I was about eight years old, I guess. How old was I? Six years old, I guess. So we saw him graduate with his college degree as a civil engineer. I was originally going to become an architect, do something with art, because I was good in art and, and also good in math. So it was like, oh, math and art, Doreen should become an architect. That's what women do, right? But I ended up, when I started to pursue that, I ended up heading towards engineering and I started work in construction before I even had my degree. Okay. Oh, so how did you get called before? How did that happen? How did you get the job before you even finished? Because that is actually a common thing these days, right? Yes. Yes. I actually started because my father had friends and I expressed an interest in going into architecture. I actually, between my junior and senior year in high school, started doing hand drafting. So I did drafting for a couple of years. And I was married young and divorced young, so I was a single mom, and so I didn't go right away to college. So while I was waiting to go to college, I kind of utilized that drafting skill, and then I became a surveyor, and I worked for contractors. I worked for my brother-in-law as an office manager, and then learned how to do estimating, then went for work for a general contractor and did estimating for them, and then went out and worked in the field with them, did more surveying, worked with a guy on the weekend, became a crew person. So when I finally did, I went to, back to school and I went back to school at night. I was working for contractors first. I was not working for, you know, consulting firms that I do now. So until I had my degree and wanted to get my PE, I worked for contractors because I didn't really need the degree, but I needed the expertise, right? So I just kind of built that expertise with those contractors first. So... As you're telling me this story, it just, it seems like a very clear path, which is not the case for most women. But was there a point where you're like, okay, it's all coming together. Was there a point where you looked around and you're like, okay, there's not a lot of women here? Or did you not notice? Or was it just a natural fit for you? Tell me about what was going on from that perspective. Well, it was an, I felt I was where I belonged. I wasn't totally comfortable, right? Because it was all men. I mean, it was, you know, I saw a woman once in a while when I was working for uh, this one heavy civil contractor and I'd be out on this site. I saw like one woman carpenter one time and then I saw a woman oiler. And then, you know, and I had actually taken the place of the woman in my office. She had left because she wasn't getting where she wanted to go and I took her place. And then I left three years later because same, same reason. But so there weren't a lot of women. And I, you know, to me, there was just that's the way it was. It wasn't easy and tried to, you know, and I was a tomboy growing up. So it was just, I just felt like, you know, just I'm trying to go play with the boys again. You know, that's really where I was, I was at. So, so that, and there was a lot of perseverance there and stuff, you know, no, no, I, I'm just as smart as you are. And just, you know, you know, just holding my own is basically what I'd say. <laughs> okay. Tell me how you found the National Association of Women in Construction. 
Okay, so when I when I finally did start working for consulting firms, I got to Malcolm Perney, and just about that time, diversity be- was becoming a thing. And it was long- this when diversity was becoming a thing. I'm so curious. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Okay. So my career started in like seventy six. And I I worked out in the field in the 80s and I finally got my degree in 1993 and then I got my license in 97. And then so when I landed at Malcolm Perney in 2000, well, I was there from 2001 and about 2004, diversity started really becoming a, you know, I don't want to say a fit, but became, you know, really important for companies to, to address. So my boss at the time, he had an initiative. And so he put me, he decided his initiative was going to be women in construction and he put me in charge of it. So he said, go find us, go find us a association to belong to. He goes, I know there's a couple of women's associations out there. One of the first things we should do is join a women's association. So I'm in the Northeast here in New York. We have a professional woman in construction and we have Women Builders Council. We also have, and there was also NAWIC, which I had never known about before, which is kind of odd because they did have a Long Island chapter and I worked on Long Island, but that Long Island chapter had closed, but there was a New York City chapter. So I found NAWIC and I also, you know, I attended these other places, but I realized NAWIC was the place that, you know, we were not, I was not a contractor, right? If you were like PwC speaks to the women who own their own firms, right? And we were basically, we worked for a consulting firm. I said, if you want to really grow your women, I said, NAWIC is probably the place for you, for us to be. So they did. They, they got a corporate membership and I became the corporate member and I became a member of NAWIC and I've been a member ever since. But I'm not at that. I always tell people I'm a member still, but I'm not part of that company. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. I want to talk about this kind of like you're joining your companies, join this association. And it's, I do think it's really interesting that in 2004, you're like diversity. People just started talking, starting to think about that because in 2023, it still feels like people are just starting to talk about it. And it talked in it like it's just a testament to how long change happens and how many times you have to say the same thing over and over and over again before it stops. Because now I think if everybody would be like, yeah, okay, we're going to talk about diversity, we're going to talk about women. Whereas in 2004, I feel like you probably get some people rolling their eyes, tuning you out because it just yes. like, but mm-hmm. I just say kudos to your company for bringing mm-hmm. it up, taking that action, committing, spending the money on the corporate membership when right. it wasn't really the popular thing to do. I just want to acknowledge that because I think that's really cool. Yes. Um, yes. They were, they were great and they were very supportive. And yeah, so that's, that's how we got started. Okay, so then at what point were you, did you decide, I want to be the president of the board? <laughs> Tell me how that happened. A couple of things were going on. First of all, Nawik was not, you know, very known, right? I had to really search to find it. And the chapter I had, we had in the meantime, you know, this is now going, I stepped up to national leadership at 20, so let's see, 2004. And I started stepping up to like 2014, 2012, 2014. So in the meantime, though, I had, we had chartered a chapter in Lower Westchester, you know, because I was running a big project there. Friends of mine said, why don't we start our own chapter? And New York was sort of sponsored us, you know, helped us along. So we had started a Lower Hudson chapter, but then that chapter kind of fizzled out after about 80 or nine years. And we, we merged it with New York and things were, you know, I was trying, I was struggling. I told people I was literally carrying the checkbook for the association for the for the chapter going, do I have a chapter? I mean, you know, there were still eight members of Lower Hudson that we merged and then New York was kind of, you know, so I was feeling like we weren't getting a lot of support. And I was actually feeling like, you know what? I can't, you know, spending too much time on this. So I actually spent a lot of my own money trying to keep things going, trying to meet up with people. And I had met up with this other woman who was a former president of the New York chapter. And we sat down and talked and she goes, Doreen, you know what? I'm I'm kind of out. I'm having a family and I can't do it anymore. I was like, oh, you know, so I kind of gave it a shot. And then at the same time, I became an, an adjunct professor at Stevens Tech. And we combined regions. NAWIC decided to combine regions. We were, we used to be Northeast, used to be Region 1 and Region 14. So we, you know, now it was like New York to Virginia and then Upper New York to Maine. Now it's Maine to Virginia. So the region grew. I met with, you know, Catherine Schoenberger. I had met up with her. 
And she said, Doreen, we need, uh, you know, the next reading director. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I was thinking about it. And I went to a spring forum. And, and just at that moment, I said, I can either help this or I could step away. I was like, and I have the connections in New York. I have the network. I can make, I don't want Nawick to be the best kept secret anymore. And I need to step up in order to help do that. And that's what I did. And oh, oh, sorry, the adjunct professor thing. I had a young woman come in one night crying because she had been on a job site. This is construction management masters. She had been on a job site and she had gotten catcalled or whatever. And I was like, what? I mean, here we are in 2015 or 2016. I'm going, what? You're getting catcalled on the job? What? And she was, and so I advised her to talk to her supervisor or whatever. And I went to a meeting. I actually went to a meeting that weekend and said, okay, I'm running for director because I know women need Nalik. I said, you know, it's it's not about me anymore. It's about these women who still need Nalik, right? So that's that's what made me run for a regional director. And you have to do that first. And then as I went on regional director, I was kind of mentored. And they were like, oh, you're going to run for president. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And uh, But eventually I realized there was a lot of sort of, I was, I was part of impacting the direction of the association. And I wanted it to keep going. And again, you know, if you're going to have impact, you got to raise your hand, right? So I raised my hand. And I actually love that somebody mm-hmm. saw this in you before you saw it in yourself. Yes. That's a really common theme with women rising to leadership. But I mm-hmm. think what you bring to the table is you bring the boots on the ground field experience. You bring the, the business development, the relationships, the sales, the navigation piece of it. And then you bring the student perspective because you're talking to these students. What do we need to do for the next generation? And this consulting experience. So it's this, there's so many levels of perspective mm-hmm. that you bring to the table that I think that person that tapped you on the shoulder saw the value in that before you saw it in yourself. I have a question though. So how is being involved in these associations? Because there was that moment where you, okay, I'm either in or I'm out. I have to decide, right? You kind of right. had that moment. How has it helped your career? Because this is all volunteer. Being a part of the National Association of Women in Creation is volunteer. And you have a job. You have a big job. You said you're learning, leading a team of 34 people. That's a lot on your plate. How has it helped you? I actually think it expanded my network. I already had a, a network. When social media came along, LinkedIn and things like that, and people began to know me as the person who was like the network person. And they would come to me, you know, I got on a, we have a New York building Congress, which is like, you know, a, a local sort of chamber that, you know, if you look up New York building Congress, they talk a lot about what's going on in New York city with commercial and municipal construction. And they, they established a council and they called me in because I was president of NAWIC at the, you know, with the local chapter, but I was president of NAWIC and they knew who I was, even though I, st- I was also other associations too, like CMA and things. So. So I got called into things because I was that person. So I, I started making more connections within my, you know, my industry within New York City and beyond, actually, because I was with Mayrick and because I, you know, because that's what they saw me as. And, you know, I would advertise, you know, the, um, you know, the things that were going on with me with the activities and the scholarships and, you know, whatever else we were doing. So that became, that became, you know, who I who I was within the industry, besides being, you know, I also led a lot of big projects and things like that, but they, they kind of recognize me more for, for NAWIC than they do for construction. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but yeah. So it's looking in these bigger rooms, right? People are listening to your opinion and you're, well, when you're on that, you know, in that room, part of that committee, in that association, you're bringing everything to the table. Right. You're bringing everything that you present to the table. So it's really it sounds like it grow, grew your personal brand in an exponential way, being yes. involved mm-hmm. and on that leadership role. So that's really powerful because that's kind of something if you were pounding the pavement, going to lunch for people, it probably would not have happened that fast. You'd probably still be out to lunch right now. <laughs> yes. I started getting calls rather than me calling people. Yeah. OK, that's still, really cool. Still getting people reaching out to me on LinkedIn. So it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, and that's pretty awesome. This network that you have. So you became president of NAWIC. So tell me kind of what was your hope in kind of like stepping into that role? What did you want to help the organization do by by taking that on? 
Well, like I said, I was already, I had been treasurer and I had been a director for two years. So I was already on the national board for three years. And I was helping with, say, task forces and committees with the marketing. And we had already kind of initiated the, our new branding that you see now, right? The NABIC logo, which is kind of up there, the W and all that good stuff. So that had been established, but we needed, we needed to move on. And one of the things I came up with was this, I called it the circle of an association, right? So there's the marketing, the membership, the, you know, so I came up and I was presenting that around and I realized what we really need to do next was really kind of solidify our infrastructure. So, you know, being an infrastructure person, this was easy for me to make a comparison and a metaphor and say, here's the bridge, you need support or whatever. But we needed to really uh, solidify our website, right? So the ne our next move was to improve our website improve our membership database, improve our outreach to members, right? Improve our, you know, build up our staff, make sure our staff was helping. So one of the big things I wanted to do was make sure NAWIC was helping chapters. You know, you know, NAWIC was reaching out to the chapters and supporting chapters as much as they possibly could. And those things did start happening with other committees and stuff. So I just wanted to make sure that continued and that our own governance and our own staff and um, in our our outreach to members was was you know solid as would continue. That's really besides our budget, keeping our budget clean. I also you know part of that was developing better sponsorships, right? And I've had Jacob the last couple of years, so we have we've had some really big sponsors in the last couple of years. So you know, and it's never just me doing it, right? It's it, you know basically it's a team. I just steered the ship and said, here's the vision. You know, this is where we want to go. And, and, you know, people participated and, and, you know, it was awesome. I love that you actually said that because like being a leader, it's one of those things that it's like when you describe all these things that you do and you have a full time job, like, how is that possible? But you said it really your job as the leader is to set the vision and inspire others and actually kind of convince them that this is what we need. So I love that you had that infrastructure analogy because. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous, right? It's not like, no. like special entertainment at the conference that people would be all excited about. But infrastructure, member database, those are not exciting. They're behind the scenes. But I love that you kind of had that vision of this is what the organization needs in order right. to keep going and grow. And you were able to kind of rally the people to get behind it. So that's really exciting. So tell me how it went. So you had three years. So in this board structure, you start out as president-elect. Then right. you have only one year as the president of the board. And then you're right. still on the board for one year as the past president. So you had three years to kind of influence this. How did it go? What if you could meet the incredible labor demands of today's market? or attract, retain, and advance more women into leadership roles? What if you could educate and train the men in your organization to be better allies? Companies that work with Ambition Theory are doing all of these things. Our approach combines captivating keynote presentations, immersive workshops, and targeted training to help you reshape your organizational culture. Learn more about why we're different and how we could help your company today. Go to ambitiontheory.com forward slash book a call and we can connect. Well, I think it went really well. <laughs> well, it, it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge, right? So as president-elect, you're kind of preparing for your year, but you're also supporting that current president, right? So that's what I did. I mean, I did my best to support that current president. You become, as a president-elect, you you kind of, you work with the the directors too. That's sort of one of your assignments is to be a director coordinator and kind of answer their questions and stuff too. But actually when I was president-elect, we were just, you know, we were in COVID and then coming out of COVID. So our, our current president then had like, we had monthly board meetings and we were coming up with new ways to engage membership. And, and actually she did really well getting us through that. And that board actually did really well. We did a lot of Zoom webinars. We did our best to support chapters. We did conferences by Zoom with all the regions. It was it was kind of a crazy president-elect year, but I'm sure that president is, you know, she's the one who went through the little bit rougher. But it was, you know, it was a lot, there's a lot to see. And I knew going forward that that infrastructure really did, that was sort of the next step that what I was thinking about and what 
was to make sure our NAWIC stayed strong, right? So we we got through. We didn't, you know, we went our membership went down, but not hit as bad as we thought it was going to be. And we were able to put some programs in place to kind of rebuild it up. We really put our WIC Week out there. We really put together our, you know, we did our marketing like crazy for WIC Week and things. And the next annual conference was really well attended. So, you know, so then just continuing that vision of a strong infrastructure and the things that needed to be done while I was president. So as a president, you steer the goals of the committees and you can recommend task forces as well as taking in proposals or whatever else is coming from your board, right? But like I said before, I just kind of set that vision. Here's where we need to go, everyone. And I did, I did cut back to quarterly board meetings instead of monthly, which was still helpful to meet that often. We used to only meet three times a year, and then the committees would work in between. But now it seems to be a little bit more of a habit to meet quarterly because we do have Zoom meetings and we can do it that way. Um, so we kept it moving that way, you know, keeping the goals, keeping moving forward. I looked at policies and procedures. One of the things I initiated was I sent a letter directly to membership. I sent a president's letter because I wanted the, the membership to know actually what the board was doing. You know, so I would do a monthly letter to the, to the members from the president. And I got a lot of good feedback from that. I would tell them what was on my mind. And then I would tell them, you know, just something I would. One spot was take a minute, like take a minute, take a breather, right? Because coming out of COVID, everybody was kind of like, so that I had a little take a minute conversation and then I'd get into, you know, latest thing that the board is doing, things that were, you know, upcoming events. And it was just like a separate little personal from me to the members. So I felt that was a way of bringing sort of the member and national together rather than having all these layers, you know, we have national, regional and chapters, right? So that was another vision, too, was to kind of engage the membership a little bit more and get them more engaged. In- I want to pause on this one because I love the access to the leader, because a lot of times in big organizations and NAWIC is a very large organization. It's right. like the president is like they're almost like on a different level than you are. They're not yeah. accessible. They're like, oh, by see them. I don't know if I should say hi. You're almost scared of them, right? If you see them. Yes. Right? But I love that brought that approachability. And through your letter, it's like, I'm Doreen, I'm a person, and this is what we're going on. Because I think that in, that gets engagement. Because one thing I do know is NAWIC has grown significantly over the past year. And I just want to give you kudos for that. Because like that connect, that human connection to you, mm-hmm. Peter, and where is it going and feeling like right. a part of it is, I think, something that you brought as you're brought to the table to engage. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. It kept me busy. They kept me busy. <laughs> so... But I, enjoy, I enjoyed being present. I had challenges and I did travel. I tried to get to something like I went to Houston for one of their industry nights and I did my best to engage with chapters as much as I could. You know, they would call me in on a Zoom or whatever. So I did, I did my best to get engaged as best I could. And yeah, that's, that was it. And then as a, as the immediate past president, then you're there to support, you know, the next person coming in, which was actually, I was lucky, Lawley and I were very much on the same page about things that needed to get done. And then there was like the loose ends, like our leadership academy. That was a loose end that was just not done. Let's, actually, this is really exciting because honestly, this is my dream coming true to cut this partnership with Paywick. Can you tell me the backstory of the leadership academy? Sure. When I was director, I participated in redoing our strategic plan. And as part of that strategic plan, we talked about, and this is something I always, I, I guess it was always in my mind that NAWIC should have as some kind of leadership, you know, I'll call it an academy now, but some kind of leadership course, right? What I didn't know as time went on, I, I heard that there was one in the past, but it, it disappeared for whatever reason. And so in the strategic plan and in this list we get, we have a scorecard and we list out the tasks and the task force was put together to kind of look at a leadership, you know, but it, it got, it went in a lot of zigzagging directions for a while until I got a hold of it again. Um, so first go back. I want to know what, what did you want to achieve with the leadership academy? Like, why did you think, okay, wait, you needed one. <laughs> yes, we needed one. I had to learn by, okay, I had to go follow that guy or I had to, I had to trip somebody. I actually literally one day had to put my, and I did. I put my foot in the door before they closed it and said, do I need to be a part of this meeting? And they were like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. So 
you know, things like that. If I had at least some kind of women focused, how do I come to work and be a leader, right? I had to kind of learn it by osmosis or by trial and error, or if I at least had some tools, you know, I think you learn anyway, like you learn through experience, but if you have some tools with you, you can kind of go, you can recognize things, right? Because I see you put tools out all the time and you're, you know, I took the academy, I took the course, the first tool work, and I could see, yes, those are the tools the women need to go, you know, kind of apply what they need to just go do and be a leader and understand that you have that capability. I probably had to kind of go, you're, damn it, you know, I had to hold and like suck down a bottle of wine or something and then the next morning go, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> so down. It is, no, that's not a good tool. That's not a good tool. tool. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I would meet adversity and then I'm going, okay, so how do I, I have to come up with my own tools, right? So that's why I wanted a leadership course. I was taking leadership courses, like, in, as I got into bigger firms, I was taking leadership courses, but they were like, oh, you know, the Myers-Briggs and how do we all get along? And I'm like, but okay, that helps, but that's not really helping the women who are sitting on the construction site or sitting in a, in a construction or a contracting room with all these, I'll just say guys. And, you know, you need to be, you need to have confidence and you need to have a toolbox just like they do. Right. So, so yes, that's why I wanted, I thought Phil Newick needed to be. And I felt it would be good for us too, as Newick, as a business, as something we, you know, other, other like WTS had a leadership. What's WTS stand for? I'm sorry, Women's Transportation Seminar. Oh. They're like the transportation women, okay. right? They had something also. And so I kind of saw these other associations, and I was a member for a little while, actually. So these other associations were doing the same thing within their industry. So I just felt this was an industry, and we, you know, NAWIC was unique enough that we we should be putting something like this together. So that's... Hey. Magically met again in the real life. life. <laughs> Well, of 2022. So we connected yes. again. And then yes. I remember you reached out to me and you're like, Angela, we want to do this leadership academy. We have this process, like it's mm-hmm. already happening in <laughs> that jump in at the last minute. Yes, we had put together so, an RP and we had some people and I had your card from when I had met you. And we just at the same time, we put this RFP together. I looked at you and I said, I think I want to talk to you. And, you know, so when we put the RFP together and we weren't getting very good, I was like, wait a minute, there's Andrea too. Let's get, let's get her a proposal from you. And so, yes, that's when I reached out and we were just, we were right in the process of kind of reviewing these other proposals and, you know, and yeah, it was like a miracle. It wasn't. (laughs) It's so interesting that this happens and I'm so grateful for this opportunity and also grateful for Network for like taking the chance, right? Because we... Built this up really quickly. And I want to talk about how it went. So it was for us, I think what was really exciting from the ambition theory's perspective is was it's like we had this critical mass of potential leaders that we could accelerate. Cause that's one thing that like we know how to do. We, we know how to help people leverage their strengths and like add value and negotiate. And we have tools. Like we have these tools that. We can teach people and we know it works. And I think the exciting thing about Maywick is like we had this, these people who were ready to go, who had these strengths. And it's just like, we weren't really changing them at all, but it was just like, here's a tool. And if you just shift your mindset a tiny bit and do it differently, like actually leverage the strengths that are inside of you and the natural transformational leadership skills that women already have. You had these people that were like, they had the influence, they had the support from their company. And it was really amazing and powerful to see kind of what happened. But you took part in the first cohort. <laughs> that was the spring of 2023. Yes. Tell what happened for you. For me, it was a lot of recognition. And well, not recognition for me, like uh, recognition of the tools that you put together were like, damn, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> like. And also for myself, like what I was doing already as a leader, how to put language to it. And I think that helped me put that language together to help my, have people behind me become leaders as well. Right. So it gave me the language. It, it helped me recognize when I was doing something like you talk about sponsorship versus mentorship, right? 
So I'm, I'm more cognizant of the fact that I need to sponsor more than mentor. Although I have a lot of women who want me as a mentor, um, I know there's a few that I could I could sponsor into places. Uh, for instance, I, I do have a young woman who's going to be presenting to our CFO on Thursday. And luckily, my, my boss said, yes, why don't you invite her to the lunch that she's doing with leadership? So we're bringing this young woman to the lunch. You know, we're bringing her in from the site to sit and have lunch with the CFO with us after she does a presentation at the job site walk. So I'm like, yes, that's our job sponsoring you know? Yeah, that bonus. So the difference between, so let's like for people, because not everybody listening is in the leadership academy and knows the difference. So mentorship is like, because that's the thing I'm sure, because in your position, Doreen, you get so many people asking you, tell me your story. How did you get to where you are today? And you have such a great story, right? So I feel like people would leave and be like, wow, this woman's amazing. And people... Like I hear the word on the, I go to the conference and I see you <laughs> and I hear what people say sitting beside me. They're like, she's um, amazing. I want to be like her. Wow. Um, so and that's what people are saying, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but the leadership no. piece, what you just said is, it's like, you know what? You could have told that woman your story and pumped her up that way before she does a big presentation. But what you did was actually mm-hmm. like, I got your back. Actually, you can do this presentation and actually I'm going to bring you to the lunch so you can have those relationships, build that relationship, get that exposure, because we know that's what advances people into those formal roles. So kudos for recognizing that. And I love that story because I think for someone like you, your story is so engaging that people would actually feel satisfied from just hearing your story. I love that you're actually taking it to the next level and recognizing that. So I hope so. I'm like, still can do stuff. I'm going to do it. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. So what else did you learn for yourself? Uh, for myself, um, there's more to do. That's what I learned. I was, I'm going to get emotional now too. Because when you and I did the information session at annual conference and you recognize there was such a need, right? I think I, I knew there was a need. I didn't know how much it really was needed and how successful it can be. So, and there were just those, I mean, we had many women who, who came out really positive from that and took those tools and put them to work. And um, the, the three or four women that we heard from that day, um, it was just an amazing story um, that they went from sort of like, almost like no confidence to like getting promotions and doing the next thing that they wanted to do and you know the the one who uh you know was getting just getting flown out to visit the ceo after making a, a pitch after just getting just getting pushed by the other women who are in the cohort so like so it was just a again so that's like another recognition right like oh this was this was definitely needed this is stuff something definitely so i know i should have taken something more personal out of it but maybe i did i'm not really sure what that is specifically but like I said, I recognize the tools that you put together. I recognize the need for it. I recognize that it works. And, and yeah, I'll be, you know, some of the things I did try to put to, put to work for myself, but I don't know that, you know, I, I'm in a different place. I feel like I'm in a different place. I'm not going to make an excuse, but I'm in a different place in my career where recognizing and having those tools and being able to pass them on. I think that's what I got out of it. So. I love it. And that's what legacy is. That's what influence is. And that that's what leadership really is. <laughs> you know, it's the other people. Okay, this is fantastic. Okay, so when we talked about leading an organization, especially like NAWIC at this time, where I feel like there's we're at this critical point in time where companies are more responsive. They're just more open to being like, okay, what can I do to support women? Whereas I think before it was just Women are there, they're welcome. But now I think companies are like, all right, what do we need to do better? How do we do more? There's this pivotal time and you kind of led NAWIC as the board president up until this point. And you said it before, when we did this leadership kind of, we realized there's so much more to be done. Like there's so much opportunity still available. But was there any other challenges looking back on your three years as the senior role on the board, what other challenges kind of came up for you? So what came to mind was I I sat at the annual conference during a, like a chapter leadership uh, thing and people asked a question like, what's your biggest challenge? And I said, well, you know, coming into NAWIC, one of your biggest challenges is working with women. <laughs> so 
I know that sounds terrible, um, but it was awesome. Okay, so working with women, if you're not used to it, right, you, you kind of go, wait a minute, why, why is everybody taking this so personally? Why are you so, you know, like, it's not, we were just, it, it's a different working environment. And also you were different, you know, you know, I was in my sort of construction, you know, so whole construction thing. And, you know, and I was leading meetings and whatever with the people that do all the same thing I do. But now you're with all these women who do a lot of different things and come from a lot of different, I don't want to say levels, but like wherever they're at in their, in their world, they're bringing that to the table, right? They're not on the construction job doing what you're asking them to do, right? They're, they're coming in with their ideas and they're coming in with, so, so maybe she not just women maybe it's everybody right so but i came in and i was like wow this is like you know this is this is really kind of a, a different thing so i really learned to up my game in my i guess leadership or listening skills i learned to listen more or understand where people were coming from better and so that's that is a challenge for people i think people come in sometimes you're like oh i'm gonna be president and we're gonna get this done you know like mm -hmm, that it's not it's not gonna work that way like and I've said it before, you have to have a vision. Almost every meeting, I, I realized in order to, uh, like, you're going to have to come to consensus on certain stuff. And some stuff we may not get to consensus on. So every board meeting, you have like a list of things you're going to vote on and, you know, and you kind of have an open discussion about things and you try to come to consensus so that you can get a vote to move in yeah, maybe the direction you might like to see it or you think, you know, the, the you know, NAWIC would like to go. So. And most of the time, that's that's how it goes. Everybody's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's going to be good for us, but not, not all the time. So you you have to listen. You have to understand where they are. And sometimes you make adjustments. But I always went in prepared for, it's almost like a risk assessment, right? This is what could happen. This could blow up to this, and we may have to table it for another. You know, I always went in with sort of a script telling me like, okay, what's my vision for this particular problem? I do want to get to consensus on this. So how will I get to consensus and, you know, that kind of thing. So that was, I think that's the biggest challenge is to bring that diverse background of people. I don't mean to pick on women in general because I am one of them. So yes, but, but to get that kind of consensus and to get everybody to kind of agree to disagree sometimes at some point, or at least say, yeah, this is a good idea, even though I don't, I didn't feel it in the beginning. I, I see your point, that kind of thing. So bringing consensus to, to a group of very diverse women was a challenge. Okay, I did not expect you to say that. <laughs> but as you were saying, okay, that's uh, it's such an interesting learning because as you're talking about what you did to overcome that challenge was lean into your, I know you're going to roll your eyes. I'm like, you're leaning to your transformational leadership skills by listening, understanding. And it's so interesting that you said your perception before was like, I'm going to be the president. I was feeling and tell everybody what to do. And we'll right. get one and then I'll be done. That is a transactional approach to leadership. We're here with the president that top down. But I love that this beautiful transformational situation <laughs> happened. And it really allowed you to level up in your leadership. Because I'm assuming when you do that with your municipal construction meetings, it, when you're listening more, it probably makes the meeting better. And you're probably getting more value out of everybody in those meetings too. I, it does. And then, but you, and you take that back. And I, it was, People have sometimes ask me, what's your, what's your superpower? And I said, well, I think my superpower is, and it kind of was before, but I brought it to NAWIC and I said, okay, it's going to work really, you know, it began to work even better at NAWIC and I had the, I had to expand my superpower. Let's put it that way. And that was to sit in a room, listen and understand what people's motivations were and then speak to those motivations. You know, I'm not always great at it, but I think that's, if anybody asks me my superpower, I think that's what it is. Okay, that's amazing. And I love that you're able to just leverage that in everything that you do, because you can tell people are drawn to you. Like you have a magnetic leadership style. And whenever I like I've in like I've met you in person a few times, but like I just I and I've met you on Zoom a bunch of times too. Like I just feel these people, they're attracted to that superpower that you have. So I love that you've recognized that in yourself, because that's really amazing. Okay, so I want you to think about the industry today. And mm. what makes you excited about it from comparing it to when you started? Well, I think, I think we're getting to a tipping point almost, right? So we, the needle has moved very slow, right? We talked about 2004 and here we are 2023, right? So 
And we went at that time, I think we were 10 or 11 percent. We've gotten to like 12 percent. I mean, really? But that's growth. But I think as a result of that, I think it starts going a little more exponentially. That's that's my hope. That's what I'm excited about. I think women have gotten the recognition. There's so much out there. It, It could be just me and like the algorithm on my social network. But, you know, there's a lot of women construction. Look at you doing well with this sort of, you know, with your podcast and your academies and your, you know, this is awesome. I mean, we're getting more attention. We're getting more personal development. We're getting more support. There's tradeswomen. There are pre-apprenticeship programs that are bringing tradeswomen in, which is amazing, and giving them support. We're talking about daycare. We're talking about work hours. We're talking about this. And everything we do, actually, that improves it for women in construction, improves it for everybody in construction. So what I'm excited about is this moving to, you know, I'm calling the differently abled. So it's not just women or, or women of color. It's, it's, it's everyone you're making and technology is changing too, making it all much more accessible. So somebody who maybe can't, uh, or who might be blind could use something virtual to listen and, and solve problems for us. Right. Um, somebody who's in a wheelchair can still, you know, get on site somehow and kind of virtually kind of do an inspection. You know, drones can help and somebody can kind of speak to that. You know, there's so much that there's so many more inroads to being a part of this industry that there should be nothing holding us back. So really it comes down to just making it a less, you know, 7 to 3.30. This is what we got to do. And, you know, this is how it's always been done kind of deal. We have to be open to to all these new technologies. We have to be open to new flexible schedules. We have to be open... And, you know, and COVID did the thing where, you know, now we can do Zoom meetings, right? But, you know, not every client still, you know, trusts you to not be there and do their job. But there are some things you don't have to be there to do, right? So so all that is changing. I'm very excited that that's that's part of this whole conversation of bringing more women in construction and more, more people into construction, more diverse people into construction, making it so much more inclusive. Um it's such a great career. And like you said before, I love construction. Nobody should be, nobody should be set back for any reason. You know, there should be no reason that nobody can do what it is they really want to do. Period. I love it. I love that so much. Very thank you. So we always end our podcast. If we end every session in the Name Week Leadership Academy, so this will not be new to you. But Whenever I hear your story, you're just like leveraging influence and you're just leveraging it more and more and more. So I want to kind of, for people who are like, ooh, I want to become more influential. How can people just start recognizing the influence they have and just start leveraging? What's something that people can do within 24 hours to do that? Well, I have, I have a couple of different thoughts. So the first thought I had, I'm not sure if it's about leveraging, leveraging influence, but maybe it is because it's similar to your, it's a 24-hour tool, but it, one of the things I did along the way, and I realized I advise people to do this too, because I got promoted and I went from the site to the office, right? And I got promoted and I sat there and I was twiddling my thumbs doing, okay, so what means, you know, and I wanted to learn more and I was becoming increasingly unhappy. Um, and I realized, okay, so before I decide to, um, you know, look for another job, what are the things I wanted to learn? When they promoted me, I thought I was going to be doing this, this, and this. So I wrote down, I kind of wrote down, where do I want to be in a year? What do I want to know? And who can I learn it from? So I wrote that down. I gave myself a benchmark and I said, okay, in six months, if I haven't done this, this, and this, then I'll reconsider moving on to another job, right? So I said, okay, so who can I learn project management from? I know project management from the construction side, but I didn't know from the consulting side. You know, we have contracts as consultants, right? And you can win and then you do a budget and there's a, you know, there's a whole system. So I, I didn't know that. And there was something else about change orders or something. And I, I, I said, I can learn this from Mark. And let me, so I made appointments with Mark. And I this other thing was from this guy, Bob. And I said, okay. And then the other thing was, oh, I'm going to get in these meetings. That's when I put my foot in the door. Like, next time they have that meeting, I'm just going to go in and see if I should be there. So those are the three things I did. So I sat down and I asked, I sent an email to Mark. I said, Mark, I want to meet, like, can we meet once a week so I can learn more about project management? So I made him my mentor on project management and he met religiously with me every week and I learned project management from him. And then I went, 
found out I should be at those meetings, right? And I started be participating in those meetings. And then Bob, he was on and off, but he taught me, you know, he couldn't, I'm going to his office. He just had like super open door policy. He really couldn't, you know, close the door and keep an appointment. You know what I mean? So I would go in, talk to him, but we'd be interrupted. But I, I still learned, you know, I figured it out. So I, I would say, you know, think a year ahead. Where do you want to be in another year? I know we always think of like five years. Well, what do I want to be when you grow up? But sometimes it's like, I'm kind of unhappy now. What, what can I do now to kind of learn what I, what's the next thing I want to learn before I move on? And you just, you know, and I say in the next 24 hours, just figure out what those things are and who you can learn those things from and then go talk to them and make appointments with those people and go see if you can learn those things and see what happens in six months. I love it because we all know mm-hmm. for dating relationships, how do you get ahead? And so I love that you're actually going in and you're starting it as a mentoring relationship, right? Teach me project management. But when you're doing that, I would kind of put money on it that at least one of those people created an opportunity for you at some point, Doreen, because yeah. when you're showing up consistently, that builds trust. And then they're able, you're able to turn that person into a sponsor and they like you can create that opportunity together. So I love that action. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast, sharing your story. And is LinkedIn the best way for people to connect with you? Always. Yes. Oh, okay. So I'll put a link in the show notes for your LinkedIn. Thank you so much for this interview. Andrew, it's been awesome. It's really always fun to talk to you. I really, and I appreciate all the, the positive mojo, always. <laughs> I hope I give you the same, right? Just hope I give you the same. You're like, yes, yes. It was you I feel like together our energy becomes exponentially more precious. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, before you go, I wanted to take a minute to read a review of our podcast. This review is from Kinia from Canada. Andrea asks incredibly thoughtful, well-researched, and practical questions to provide actionable strategies for her audience. Her dedication and passion shine through in her preparation and delivery. Thank you so much for that generous review. We really love hearing from our listeners, and I'm wondering if I can ask you a favor. Can you take a minute and leave us a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts? That really helps us to get the word out so that we can keep making episodes for you for free. Thank you for listening.